Hello and welcome to Be Ready, where we prepare our hearts and our minds for the return of Jesus Christ. My name is Josiah Moldenhauer. Last time we talked about the Lord's Prayer, and how in this prayer the Lord Jesus gives us a pattern to follow. There are seven different parts, and let's review them real quickly. The first part is relationship. When we come to God in prayer, we relate to Him as our Father, and we receive His love. The second part is worship. We lift up His name as holy, as the name above every name. We praise His name. He has many names that we can glorify and lift up in prayer. The third is Lordship. We ask for His kingdom come and His will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. The fourth is Sonship. We ask Him for our daily bread and also ask Him to forgive us of where we've fallen short of where we've sinned. Then Fellowship. We forgive others as He's forgiven us. Sixth, Leadership. This is where we ask him to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, from Satan. And seventh, ownership, where we proclaim and pray that everything belongs to him. His is the kingdom and the power and the glory. So in our prayers, we don't have to say certain special words or feel like we have to perform for God. The Lord's Prayer gives us a guide, a pattern to follow in praying in each of these seven rooms, you could call them, in the house of prayer, that let us pray however in the, that room it is in our heart, according to scripture, according to what's going on in our lives. We can be real with God in those rooms that guide us in how to pray to him. Today we're going to talk about something that frees us from feeling like we need to pray or act in a certain religious way or a certain rigid way towards God. And that is grace. God's amazing grace. Everything in our lives as Christians comes down to grace. Living by grace through faith. So grace actually is God's favor towards us. It's unmerited favor, favor that we don't deserve. There is a Greek word and a Hebrew word for the word grace, and both of them refer to God freely extending himself, his favor towards us, like he's reaching down or inclining himself towards people because he wants to bless them. Isn't that an amazing picture? So let's keep that in mind as we talk about grace today, that it's God freely extending himself or inclining himself towards us as his people because he wants to bless us and be near us. Let's look at grace. Where does grace come from? Well, it comes from a person. It comes actually from Jesus Christ. Looking at John 1, John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received 
grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. So Jesus, as he came in the flesh, he made known who God is to us. And he came full of grace and truth. Now, some people will say that the God of the Old Testament was different from the God of the New Testament. However, that's not true. God's character remains the same. He was and he is and he is to come. So in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, the Lord reveals himself. He proclaims who he is to Moses. He says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Here in the Old Testament, God reveals himself as full of grace. When we look at God's character, he never changes. And that's an awesome thing about God. So what does God's grace do in our lives? What is the effect his grace has in our lives? Oh, and let me say, these scriptures I'm going through, we're going to go through several scriptures today. And as we read them, you can look actually on the episode for this podcast in the description, you'll see the references for these. So you can look them up now and follow along with me. Or if you want to look them up later, perhaps you're driving, you can feel free to look them up anytime on your own. God's grace saves us. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So our salvation, being saved from sin and hell, is all based on God's grace. We cannot say, boast, brag that we've had a part in any of it. Peter said in Acts chapter 15, verse 11, For we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. Peter was referring to the Jews and the, the Gentiles. He was saying, Just as the Jews will be saved through grace, just as the Gentiles will be saved through grace. So no matter where you're from, Gentile just means you're not Jew by blood. That covers everyone in the world. All of us can only be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus. In Acts chapter 11, we get to see God's grace in action, saving people. Starting at verse 20 of Acts chapter 11, it says, Men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, that is the the Greeks who had Greek culture, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Here, Barnabas recognizes, when he came there, that he saw the grace of God. He saw that when the people turned from their sins and believed and turned to the Lord, that was God's grace at work, enabling them to believe, that gave them the grace to believe in in Jesus. Now, grace doesn't stop at the moment of our salvation. 
His grace continues throughout our whole lives. When Paul and Barnabas were preaching to people at Antioch in Asia Minor, they urged them, this is in Acts 13, verse 43b, they urged them to continue in the grace of God. God's grace is not only needed for our salvation, it's needed for our whole Christian life. His grace sanctifies and empowers us. We must continue in his grace in order to see his work in our lives, in order to, to remain in Christ as a Christian, to, to be a Christian. That word sanctifies means to set apart for special use, to set apart as holy unto God. And we're going to look at that word here in the, in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25b through 27. And so he says, Paul says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, blameless. So Christ, he's the one that sanctifies the church. The church is not a, bu- not a building. It's us, his people. He cleans us up. It says that he cleansed her by the washing with the word. So his word cleanses us and sets us apart as holy unto him. Sometimes in our Christian lives, we can be tempted to think that we began by grace and then in our own effort, in our own ability, we can become like Jesus, work to become more like Jesus. However, this is a dangerous thing. And the Galatians struggled with this. Paul had to rebuke them. Here in the book of Galatians, we're looking at chapter 3, starting at verse 2, the second part of verse 2. We're going to read till verse 6. Paul had to rebuke and warn the Galatians about this issue. He said, Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Have you begun by the, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. These are strong words. Paul is saying, you began with the Spirit. Can you now perfect yourself by the flesh? The flesh is in your own effort, your own ability. He says, Does he who supplied the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law, that's working to, to, to earn it, by doing the law, following it by your, by your own ability, or by hearing with faith? And so faith works together with grace. It's all by faith, by, by faith in Christ, and he gives us the grace. We have faith in him, he gives us grace. Faith in him, and he gives us grace. The process of becoming like Jesus, becoming more and more like him, is by grace through faith, just like salvation was. Listen to what Paul tells the Philippians in Philippians chapter 2, 12-13. He says, Therefore, my beloved, 
as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Paul is telling the Philippians to work out their salvation, to to do something, but he makes it very clear that it's God, the one who's working in them, who's giving them the desire, the will to do it, to to do good things, to become like Christ, to, to live like Christ. And so the desire is there, and they act upon it. They, they work it out. They do it. And so this is very important to remember. God is the one working within us. It's God's grace at work. At work. In 1 Corinthians 6.11, Paul says, You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And just a reminder, that word to be sanctified means to be to make holy, to set apart for special use. There's places in the Bible where God says to be holy, for I am holy. Be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. But, even though he commands us to do that, it's his spirit enabling us to do that. His spirit that's living within us is the one who empowers us, who enables us to live that holy life. In Philippians 4.13, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here he says, it's Christ is the one. He's the one that strengthens him. And Jesus makes it very clear in John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. These two scriptures I encourage you to mark well in your Bibles because I've gone back to them many times. They've been really important reminders in my life. Philippians 2, 12 to 13, excuse me, um, not the last two we just read, but Philippians 2, 12 to 13, Paul talks about, it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then John fifteen five, where, he, where Jesus says that he is the vine, we are the branches. Whoever abides in him, uh, it is he who bears much fruit. Apart from him, we can do nothing paraphrasing that there we must stay connected to Jesus Christ he is our source so we want to prepare for Jesus to come back and we want to become more like and we want to get rid of sin in our lives so if he's the one that does the work what is our part it comes down to faith and something we should remember when we think about this is that Jesus has already done it all. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That single offering, when he sacrificed himself on the cross, is what that's referring to. He perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That's us. We are in the process. So you can see there's a tension here almost between he has perfected us and we are being sanctified, it says. It has in the, the present continuous tense. We are being sanctified. 
So what is our part in this? It's a matter of submitting to him in relationship, relationship to Christ. Jesus has already perfected us, and our part is to submit to him. It says in James chapter 4, verse 6, and actually we're going to read through verse 10. It says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. This is a very important passage. How do we receive God's grace to transform us and make us more like Jesus? It's a matter of humbling ourselves because God opposes the proud. He opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So in James 4, starting at verse 6, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So here, this is an important, very important principle. We must humble ourselves before God. We must submit to God. And it's in that place that he can work within us. He'll show us things that we need to change, that we need to cleanse our hands, cleanse out of our lives to, to purify our hearts, to get rid of being double-minded where we want to serve God over here and we want to do our own thing, do something selfish or sinful over here. He's the one that gives us the ability, and I've had to come in this place many times in my life where he's shown me sin, I have to repent of it, turn away from it, and take it seriously. And by his grace, I can say no to it. He'll cleanse me and make me whole. So Jesus' grace frees us to make a choice to get rid of that junk. So as you can see here, it's a type of both and. In the Greek way of thinking, it's either one or the other. It's a linear. You can think of a line in geometry with the arrow pointing in one, in one direction and the opposite direction. But in Hebrew thinking, you can take that line and fold it on itself to make a circle, or bring it around to on, on itself and connect it and make a circle. So it's much like this when it comes to being sanctified. God is the one that does it, does it by his grace, yet we cooperate with him, cooperate with his Holy Spirit. Let's look at a couple more verses here. This is exciting. In 1 John chapter 3, it says, starting at verse 1, See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So it's important to remember our identities, that we are God's children. We are beloved, we are precious to him. And as we wait for Jesus to come back and look for his returning, we know that when he appears, we will be like him. So it says that those who have this hope in them purify themselves, themselves or purifies himself or herself as he is pure. 
And so when we have that, we have him in our hearts, when our focus is on Jesus, then we have the desire to be pure and purify ourselves, confess something if, if the Holy Spirit shows us sin. And he says he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us all, from all unrighteousness in First John 1, 9. Isn't that beautiful? The way that we can draw on God's grace. It's all by his grace. Every part of our Christian life. In Second Peter 3.18, Peter exhorts us. He says to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we, can, we grow in grace. And how do we keep receiving his grace? Like we said before, we submit to him. We humble ourselves because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So whether we are first getting saved and a new believer in Christ, we just were born again, or we're a mature Christian, we've been, been walking with Jesus for years, we must always humble ourselves and submit to him, and he gives grace to the humble. This is a wonderful quote from a Bible dictionary that was written by Spiros. And I'm going to quote here what something he said about grace. Grace, when received by faith, trans transforms man and causes him to love and to seek after the righteousness of God. Grace is initially regeneration, the work of the Holy Spirit in which spiritual life is given to man and by which his nature is brought under the dominion of righteousness. The maintenance of this condition requires an unbroken and immense supply of grace. That's a beautiful way of putting that we need God's grace more and more, actually, as we become more and more like Jesus throughout our lives. It's all by his grace. His grace saves us from sin and hell. His grace cleans us up. His grace enables us to live holy lives. His grace enables us to bear spiritual fruit. Isn't his grace amazing? Well, until next time, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of Father God, and the fellowship of Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore.